Welcome to the show. Today we are going to figure out which thing is the best thing of all the things ever. That's right. And we're going to do so by lying on our backs, looking at clouds, and picking out our favorite animals. That's a great idea. But instead, we have a worse idea. We're going to pick one Wikipedia entry and then a second Wikipedia entry at random and pit them against each other to figure out which one is the best based on categories such as which one do we like, which one do we think is funny, which article is longer, and what do we feel like doing at that moment. That's right. Those are the exact stipulations for our selection. And I think now let's dive into the very first round of the ultimate who will be competing tonight? In round one, we have Edward Irons, uh, an American economist who's professor and dean emeritus at Clark Atlanta University. Mm-hmm. Against the 2008 MAC Men's Basketball Tournament. Another men's basketball tournament. If I recall, the first one did not fare too well. Let's see how its compatriot will do this evening. Now, just off the bat, Edward Irons, 1923 to 2022, 99 years almost, 98 and a half, just about made it, American economist and professor. Smart guy, did a bunch of stuff, wrote some books. But how does he compare to the 2008 MAC Men's Basketball Tournament, which was won by number one seed Kent State, the Golden Flashes, who defeated their arch rival and number three seed, the Akron Zips, in front of a very healthy 12,942 fans. Top seed won the tournament. I love me an upset. So, you know, was kind of looking for that. But Kent State, you know, not one of the big names that you hear winning stuff. Not for basketball. Let's see. Oh, in the MAC. So other schools that are in that conference include uh, Northern Illinois, Central Michigan, Bowling Green, and Miami, which I believe is actually the one in Ohio. So. Yeah, not not the nice Miami, the other Miami. So it's not Miami nice? No. No, that, that one's in France. <laughs> now, Irons was born in Hulbert, Oklahoma, August 29th, 1923, third of four children, and in a partially Cherokee family. After graduating from high school as valedictorian, he served in the U.S. Navy, graduated from Wilberforce University with a degree in business administration, hired by Oklahoma Governor Johnson Murray to manage the Oklahoma State Hospital System, and resigned when he was unable to raise salaries. Now that guy, he steps in. He says, "You know what? I'm going to get you guys raises, and if I can't, I will leave." And he couldn't. Well, hey, and let's not bury the lead here. In 1959, he was only the second black person to receive a doctoral degree from Harvard Business School. This man Went, is an inspiration. Indeed, indeed. Went on to write about it. Passed on at the age of 98. President of a bank in Houston. There's a lot of banks in Houston, I'd imagine. I, I, I can see a lot of banks being in Houston. If you're a bank person, 
I bet you there's a good chance at some point you pass through Hugh. I, you know what? I, I don't think we need to drag this one out. I have my winner. I think I know who it is. Get back, Mac. We're talking about Edward Irons. Moving on to the next round in... The ultimate you know it's got to go to him. That one's not even close. Yeah, that was that was uh, just... Edward Irons wiped the floor with that whole tournament. And if I'm remembering correctly, that is our first basketball tournament... But the second time we mentioned basketball, the other time it was a team that I believe went 10-22. and 22. Mm-hmm. Yes, also not very impressive. Also not moving on to the next round. Speaking of the next round, let's move on to round two. It's time for round two. Time for round two. Oh, yeah. Gotta love that round two music. We have in round two, Hook Continental. A passenger train running between London's Liverpool Street Station and Harwich Parkeston Quay, where it connected with a night ferry sailing to the Hook of Holland in the Netherlands against Catmen. Not what you think it is. An American-British rockabilly band formed in 2006 by former Stray Cats drummer Slim Jim Phantom and Daryl Higgum. Wow. So we got the Hook Continental, a passenger train with some choo-choo, and we got the Catman, who you know they got the go-go. So who's going to take us where we need to get in this round of the ultimate tournament of everything? Let's dive in. Now, first off, Catman, uh, they released their debut album, Catman, in 2006, with a follow-up called The Catman Cometh in 2013. That's pretty fun. Now, interesting. They met at the Oneida Casino in Wisconsin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, embarked mm-hmm. on a European tour where all good music goes, and former Guns N' Roses guitarist Gilby Clark apparently uh, was part of the band. Duo continued until 2009. They, they broke up. They reunited. They broke up again. Oh, so interesting. So much turmoil. If you want to talk about breaking up, getting back together in turmoil, then I think we should jump on over to the Hook Continental because this was, as you know, a uh, passenger train running there in Europe, um, but it was doing so in very tumultuous times. Uh, In 1925, it was set placed in service, composed of 11 11 bogey coaches. In 1936, a a further new and more luxurious train was set and introduced. And then World War II happened, and service ceased immediately upon its outbreak. uh, The three ships were requisitioned for war service, as a matter of fact, I think, uh, because this is only a Wikipedia entry. It looks like as travel patterns changed with the growth of car travel accompanied by ferry travel greater availability of airplanes levels of foot passengers declined and in may of 1987 the hook continental was discontinued succeeded by a limited stop service to and from harwick international which was time to connect with the night hook of holland sailings which was timetabled and marketed as the admiral de ruder Ooh, so interesting train history 
Now, they had to arrange this train in accordance with a ferry. And so the main train was timed to arrive about 30 to 35 minutes before the ferry sailed. And its arrival often coincided with the ferry's mandatory horn test, which probably wouldn't be too different from uh, the tuning up at the, prior to the concert of the uh, funky band, the Catmen, Rockabilly. Did they have horns? I'm just seeing guitars. I'm seeing bass. I'm not Remember seeing the- horns. <gasps> All right. Hey, then Catmen. I don't think uh, I'm going to think I'm going to have to say I don't have the Catman fever because I got to hear that hook continental horn. Choo choo to the next round of the ultimate in my opinion, anyways, what say you, Rob? Well, looking at Catmen, at first I thought it can't be men who were cats. And then I saw it was a band. And then I went through this emotional roller coaster figuring out that they kind of were men who were cats because their previous band was called the Stray Cats. What a twist. And the name, Slim Jim Phantom? Come on. That's who Danny Phantom probably grew up to be. He grew up to be a singer in a rockabilly band. But you know what Danny Phantom did? He kept the weird phonetic spelling. He kept the PH. When they left the Stray Cats, they turned that C into a K. And I think that's lame. Almost like the Kit Kat Men, which might be a band. I don't know. Maybe it'll be in another round. I'm not sure. Uh, It's a close one, but I got to go with the old standard. I got to go with the train. I got to go with the the Hook Continental. Give me a break. Give me a break, Catman, because we're going with the Hook Continental as our victor in this round of the ultimate We've had two real close rounds so far. Let's get into round three. Yeah, this is exciting. Is there round three music? Yeah, yeah, no. Round three. I don't even know when to start without. With bated breath awaiting the next selections. Three. It's time for round three. In round three, we have competing for the crown. The Nandi language, not to be confused with the Nandi language, and Emmanuel Anthony Pauselt, born 1858, died 1921, authority on jacquard looms and weaving. All right, so we have an individual who knew a whole lot about one thing, and we have one language which can tell you a whole lot about anything. Let's see which direction our knowledge is going to flow in this round. Jumping in, where shall we start? Let's start with Anandi. Yes. Now, it's a uh, language of Kenya. Um Let's see if we can find a little bit more here. Spoken by 950,000 people as of the 2009 census. It is in the Nilo-Saharan language family. Spoken mostly in the Rift Valley province. Now, it is a Nandi language or Kalenjin proper. I'm not sure, but it's a dialectic cluster of the Kalenjin branch of the Nilotic language family so uh the name Kalen, uh rather in kenya where 
speakers make up 18% of the population. The name Kalenjin, a Nandi expression meaning I say, gained prominence in the late 1940s. I like that. I like that. Now, Emmanuel Anthony Posalt, son of Emmanuel Anthony and Elizabeth Demuth Posalt, born in Reichenberg in the Austrian Empire, currently in the Czech Republic, on the 21st of August in 1858. He graduated in 1876 from Imperial Government Weaving School. Man, I wish we still had Imperial Government Love Weaving it. Schools. They would have loved that. The stormtroopers probably would have been way better at their basket weaving if they had Imperial Weaving School. Are you established? Maybe, maybe a bit more adventurous on their uh, uniforms. The white, all flat white, I don't, I don't think it's working for them. They needed some textiles, right? That would have been great. It doesn't have to all be hard plastic. Come on. Even a stormtrooper loves a good knit sweater. Who who doesn't? Now, he passed away in Philadelphia on June 28th, 1921, and is buried in Greenmount Cemetery. They, he had three children with his uh, wife, Anna, Elwood, and Gertrude. Oh, it's been a while since we've had a Gertrude on the show. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. But I don't know. Cool guy. Definitely deserves a post. But do you think he can win in this competition? The ultimate tournament of everything? Let's take a look back at his competitor. The Nandi language. I, I wish that we could have a, a small segment, uh, a little clip of, of perhaps what it sounds like. It's a whole language. Yeah, if you happen to speak Nandi, we definitely need you to uh, call in, send us a letter, well, not a letter. A letter probably wouldn't help. A video, an audio file, somewhere we can hear this language. I'm really curious. I, I kind of want to move it on just so we keep it in the running. Yeah, you know, I want to come back to the Nandi because I don't want it to be Gandhi. And I want it to come back. I want to learn a little bit more. Emmanuel Anthony Passalt, I think our, technologically is, our technology has moved on. It's not your fault, but you're not moving on. See you soon. Check out your loom, but goodbye. The Nandi language, you're moving on in the next round of... The that was interesting. I did not think we would have a guy in the textile industry. Anyway, well, I'm, I'm on the past. Let's get into our next round. Okay, let's dig in. Oh, no. Next round. Oh, no. Into round four. Now, we've got some... I know you it scared you last time. You scared you last week. I've had a whole week, Rob. I've created, uh, we, you know, a connection with a new, very friendly fan. They sent this in for you specifically. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm I'm looking forward to the new round four music. Here we go. It's a brand new day. <laughs> You hooligan. Did you hear the subtle differences in there? No. No? No. Should I play it again? No, 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 no. Uh, anyway, in round four, we have Guido Carrillo, born May 25th, 1991, an Argentine professional footballer who plays striker against Brisei, a Syrian village located in the Al-Tamanaha Nina in Marat Al-Numan district in Idlib. Why don't you take another stab at that one, Rob? <laughs> okay, can't get any worse. In the Al-Tamana 
Nahia in Marat al Numan district in Idlib. Nailed it. Nailed According it. to the Syria Central Bureau of Statistics, uh, Brise, is that what, what we're going with? Has a total population of 616 people. So, uh, nice tight knit community. Not too far from the coast. I'm sure it's lovely. Let's check out its competitor. Guido plays for Estudiantes, played for Estudiantes for most of his early professional career. He was a fan favorite at Estadio Ciudad de la Plata, having graduated through the Youth Academy and making his first team debut in 2011. In February 2015, they beat Barcelona uh, Gayaqui 2-0 in the Libertadores Cup opener. Oh, man. This guy seems good. Yeah, he scored some goals, definitely, looking at that. He scored more when he was playing against kids, but he continued to score as he elevated the uh, club levels. Um, Sharp-looking dude, 6'2", Argentinian. Um, He is a Taurus, so he's got all that going for him. Now, there is a little bit of a fall from grace here. It looks like he joined the Premier League, which is a fantastic thing to do. But he was loaned again to the same club, failed to make much of an impact during his second season, and they relegated him to La Liga. It doesn't mean that he totally sucks at, at soccer. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean at all. It does not mean one iota that Guido Carrillo is just absolutely terrible on the pitch. It doesn't mean that at all. And I want that to be clear. I'm sure he's probably great, right? But is he as great? As the city that is Brisse. Now, it's only 616 people as we've established. But if we were to put them all on a soccer field playing one game against Guido, which team do you think would win? I think it'd be surprisingly close, but I got to go with Brisse. <laughs> I think I have to concur for no other reason than, come on, we're not going to send another guy named Guido into the next round of our competition. We're going with Brisse. Say it with me now one time, Rob, will you? Brisse. Lovely. Brisse, I say you're going to the next round of the competition called <laughs> The Ultimate freaking test. Round four. Round four. Five. Are you sure? Round five. Round five. Don't play round four again. Don't do that to me. I can't handle it. Because I've got some new round four music. I don't know if I've told you that. Trick me five times. Shame on you. Trick me five more times. Shame on you again. Round five. In round five, we have some heavy hitters. We have the income tax threshold against VR. Give me a minute. VR Nedunkchezian. Okay. Now, I just right off the bat on this uh, page for VR Nedunkchezian, 
he's got a photo. Looks like it is a gold or copper bust, and he's rocking some uh, nice, thick frame uh, glasses. He's got a big smile. He looks like he's having a good time. Are we sure that's a gold bust, and we're sure he's not made of gold as a person? I've heard it happens. He was also only in office for one year. Now, would you remind me who they're uh, competing against in this round? Against the income tax threshold. The income level at which a person begins paying income taxes. That. In the U.S., that is $12,000 for a single person. Well, how do we feel about that? $12,000 and then you have to start paying income tax? Yeah, I think it would be better if you were in Australia, in which case it is... 18,200 Australian dollars, also known as kangaroo bucks or dollary dues. <laughs> as everyone knows, I've got a buck on the bobby. <laughs> Here, have a dollary do. They have the queen on their money there, I think. And I think it's made of plastic. I'm not That's sure. That's what I'm saying. Let's go back to the last episode. I'm telling you, Australia, everything's England. It's all just England, anyways. So, you know what? Come on. Personal income tax. There's too many people making too much money. This should be like if you're making like you shouldn't have to pay tax if you're not making like a whole bunch of money. People are making too much money. Why do we need this threshold to be at twelve thousand dollars? Would you like would you like it to be higher? Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't come on. They got twelve. That's a thousand dollars a month. You're gonna take any of that from them? Income tax threshold, you punk. (laughs) Now looking at the competitor. Uh, who we're just gonna go with the initials VR. We're just gonna call him VR. Good call. Uh, born in. Uh, okay, here we go. Tarukanampuram. I think I was close. He graduated with a master's degree and a doctorate. There we go. Became involved in politics while at university. Very interesting. Uh, briefly aligned himself with a group uh within AIADMK but was expelled from the party in 1988 after disputes with its leaders hmm. now looking at his election history he's been very successful <clears throat> um ran once as an independent and lost um but other than that and his very final election in 1996 he was with uh looks like some version of the DMK and then the AIA DMK party and uh, was very successful. Yeah, his uh, election record six and two. Pretty good. Not bad. Hey, that's better than that uh, freaking basketball team from what junkie place was it? I don't even remember. No one remembers. That's how bad they were. Now, he has a lot of books that he's published. Uh, t- looks like 29 books. Holy cow. Yeah, this man, very, very prolific. Hmm. Uh, him and his wife had a son. His grandson is a professional tennis player. Looks like he did some things. But did he do enough things to beat the income tax threshold? I mean, I'm looking at this and thinking the income tax threshold's just chopping itself at the knees. Come on, buddy. Help us out. At least old VR over here, you know, he wrote books. You can go and read those. He was a 
politician. I imagine he could have gotten more legislation passed if he wasn't busy writing 29 books, for which his literary contributions, he was also known as Navalar or the Eloquent. So I think for that matter, and for how awesome this dude's picture is, check it out if you get a chance, because he's going to be moving on with my vote anyways in this competition. What do you say, Rob? Do you concur or shall we battle? Well, as I always said, I also want to be known as the eloquent, but unfortunately, <laughs> words tough, stutter much, me not smart. I wish I could be like that guy. Oh. We're going to have another chance to check him out when he comes back in the next round of The Ultimate He for sure, for sure moves on. Because, you know, income tax threshold, do we need it? Do we really need it? I don't think we do. I don't know. Just come on. There's enough money to go around, buddy. Just, just spare a dollar. What round are we moving on to, Rob? We are moving on to round six. We can turn around the next curve. He comes around the last round. There you have it. There is your winner. Round six. In round six, we have the film Family Party against Pablo Robertson. I love this game. (laughs) Come on. Everyone knows this is your favorite movie. Your favorite movie is Family Party. We all know it. Don't hide it from anybody. Oh, oh, Family Party, the 2015 coming-of-age comedy written and directed by Paul Mathur. What other family party would I be talking about? Obviously. Well, let's just see here. Was there a sequel? (laughs) With a budget of $95,000? Of course there wasn't a sequel. A movie (laughs) like that doesn't need one. All right. Well, uh, it's going to be facing. Have we already announced its competitor? Yes. Pablo Robertson, an American professional basketball player and member of the Harlem Globetrotters. This is another fantastic round. The meat and potatoes of this league. This is why we're here. This is what it's all about. Let's dive right in. Where would you like to start? Oh, I'd like to start at the very beginning, which in Family Party is where a high school senior, Nick, gets forced by his parents to attend a boring family party instead of letting him go to a local summer concert with his baseball buddies. He meets up with a group of teens, including a girl named Artie, who are all stuck at the party, too, and they soon realize they all have tickets to the same concert and come up with a plan to sneak out. But the scheme falls apart uh, when they're met with their jealous childhood friend, a missing diamond necklace, and a small religious ceremony put on by the adults. So, you know, boilerplate. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happens to most of us any Friday night. Really a coming-of-age story. Everyone has this happen to them very frequently. Who can't read Actually, it? I've got to wrap up early so I can get out to this very scenario. I knew it. Now, how does that stack up to our friend Pablo, though? Grew up in Harlem, New York. Played basketball at DeWitt Clinton High School. Although relatively short and listed at 5'5", uh, 1.65, whatever meters are for everyone else, he attracted attention with his ball handling skills. Described him as a guard who could ignite playground crowds in a way that no bigger man could match. He attended Loyola in Chicago, 
And after a year of the freshman basketball team, he joined the varsity squad. And he had grown four inches. He's now 5'9". <laughs> and you know what? I got to give it to him. Uh, he, he joked about uh, in his first semester of his second year of college, uh, he was ruled ineligible to continue playing basketball. And, and here's a quote. He recalls that he got four Fs and one D and joked that he put too much time into that one subject. Hey, he's got I, a... Love a, I love a small man with handles, though. You know, a, a guy that can just go out there. You know, you don't have to be scraping the ceiling to be a good basketball player. You just got to have the skills. You just got to have the handles and the hoops. And it sounds like Pablo Robertson was, uh, dare I say, a pioneer in that field. Now, he is a veteran, served in Vietnam. After the war, he joined the Harlem Globetrotters and was even a character in the animated 1970s Saturday morning cartoon all about oh. the Harlem Globetrotters. So does that mean that he got to hang out with Scooby-Doo? I Probably, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, I th there was that crossover that one time, right? Holy cow. Family party didn't have no Scooby-Doo-Doo. Listen, I, I think this is it. I think we, that decides it right there. I think the fact that they have a connection with Scooby-Doo, I think the fact that he's a veteran, I think the fact that he's got a sense of humor, I don't see how Family Party pulls this out. There's going to have to be something real special there for them to make it into this next round. They're going to have to have one heck of a poster. Let's take a look. And... Does it hold up? It says Family Party, Inc., or eat, drink, escape. It's uh Nope. Looks all right. Doesn't get it. Nope. No way. It's got to go to Pablo. Pablo, you're shooting threes right into our hearts. Pablo Robertson, you're moving on to the next round. Oh. The ultimate All right. Now that was a good, you know, kind of squared up. We had two scrappy different types of competitors, but in the end. Someone's going to win, and usually it's the one that has more points. That shows you how to know. We can look at the score sheets after the match for sure uh, if we want to see whether it's a split decision or unanimous. But, you know, Pablo's got some things going for him. Now, we are in, if I'm not mistaken, round seven. Round seven. Round seven. In round seven, we have Lugwig Hanstein against RAF Bodney. Wow. Yeah. Two relative unknowns prior to this season, but both have made their you know presence known throughout uh, early rounds of the competition. Let's see how they face up against one another. Where would we like to start now? Looking at Ludwig Hanstein, World War I flying ace credited with 16 aerial victories. Now, this is interesting. This is very interesting because RAF Bodney, Royal Air Force Station, located in Norfolk, England. Is it possible that Ludwig Hanstein flew out of RAF Bodney? Could we have a connection there? that maybe we didn't know about. Now, this is getting pretty quantum here. We're completely random, hitting a random button. The gods of the internet say, yes, these two things are completely unrelated. And yet, we find threads that connect us all. 
And I think we could take a lesson from that. And we could take a lesson from Ludwig Hanstein, who killed 16 people with his plane. Now, if we were smarter individuals, which we're not, we would have recognized right away that one of these men was British and one of these, well, one of these places was British and then the man was German. So, no, he probably did not fly out of RAF Bodney. He probably was the enemy. Okay, yeah, yeah. He, I'm looking at the, a lot of German words in this article. <laughs> He's not, not an so, Englishman. All right, yep. Allegiance to the German Empire. Not a good dude. Good shot, though. You got to give him that. Let's see if the RAF Bodney was able to fend him off. <laughs> Originally built as RAF Bomber Command Airfield during 1939 and 1940, Bodney was transferred to the United States Army Air Forces in the summer of 1943, placed mm. under the jurisdiction of 8th Fighter Command of the 8th Air Force, primary home to the 352nd Fighter Group. Had some things happen, had some people come through, surely some heroes, surely some, you know, birds, I guess, um, weather, uh, things like that tend to pass through pretty much anywhere, um, but it is no longer in service, is that correct? I believe that is correct. It looks like... It looks like it is no longer used. Uh, yeah, from what I can tell, I think it is a defunct place. There is a memorial to the fighter group at Bodney Field, but I don't think it's an active Air Force base. Now, as always, we are learning about this as you guys are. We are reading it in real time, so there's lots of things that we don't know. Plus, we're not smart men to begin with, so even if we did know it, we'd probably forget it. But the picture's in black and white, so that's got to be an old thing, right? Yep, and all that goes to say that I'm pretty sure we're not going to pick a Nazi here on this game, so I am choosing R.A.F. Bodney as my selection for this round. <laughs> what say you, Rob? Are you uh, you going to go pro-Nazi again? Uh, well, the <laughs> never <laughs> never go pro Nazi, right? Never go pro Nazi is the answer. Never go pro Nazi, right? But Ludwig Hanstein here died March twenty first, nineteen eighteen. So this is pre Nazi. He's just German at this point. Pre Nazi. Mm. Uh, okay, okay. Yep. Yep. So we wait, 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 wait. But they were the bad guys in the first one. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well. It's a little more complicated. Yeah, guys, they were yes. two, two world war. Nobody else has started a world war. They did it twice. He helped. Come on. I'm not going to vote for them. Uh, you know what? I, I got to agree with you. Right. But we had we had to give it a fair. We had to give him his fair time. Right. We learned about him. And you're right. We have to move on. We got to give it to the Royal Air Force at Bodney. All right, yes. Okay, Ludwig Hanstein, we will not see you in the next round because we are voting for RAF Bodney as our champion in this round of the ultimate Are we moving on to round eight already? We are moving on to round eight already. I see. Would you by chance have any Round eight. In round eight, we have Brahapsa 
Chrysostomus, which is a moth in the family Crambidae, against Derek Kakuza, who's a Ugandan footballer who currently plays forward for the Latvian side Valmira. Okay. Now, moths, I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised to see anything because everything will show up in due time. Everything will be covered in this list and pitted off against everything else. Again, so that we know who is the ultimate champion of everything. That's what we're doing here. But it is interesting to see another moth already so soon. Now, we did have a moth show up in the very first episode in round one. That moth, Ameni Macula Fascia, against the athletics at the 1992 Summer Olympics, huh. specifically the men's pole vault. And that moth won. Yeah. Yeah. How will this you moth do? You can't pole vault as high as a moth. I think they call it flying, but you're right. Derek Kaluza, could he kick a football as high as a moth? Let's find out. He was born in Kalampa, Kakuza, and started his career with the Naguru Police Academy before joining Police Kampala. So he was like a cop? Before he started playing, or is this a team? Like is this a, a team? A football cop? Don't kick or I'll shoot you. <laughs> Stuff like that? It's unclear. It's unclear. <laughs> uh, his league performances were also good, scoring eight goals in 18 games across two seasons. Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. Looks like he's still currently playing. He is number 32. He plays forward. He is 19. We got a, you got a young in here. He's got a lot of time ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, a lot of accomplishments. He's a cop, but he's got a lot of accomplishments. Now let's talk about that moth, though, huh? Described by Zeller in 1852, found in Kenya. Now, is it possible? Hmm, I need a map. I don't know if Uganda and Kenya are close together or not. So it's possible that Derek here may have seen Brahaspa Christostomus. Or even Brahaspa Christostomus could have seen Derek because maybe this moth likes to watch some high-quality 19-year-old cops playing soccer. Okay, here's, here's the good news. They are, as far as I can tell, next to each other. They border each other. Uganda and Kenya are on the border. Out of the, I checked this today, out of the 600 something, out of not 600, out of the 6 million, give or take, Wikipedia entries, we happen to pick two that have a connection. Look at that. Holy cow. Again, this is, this is serendipitous. This is, this is quantum entanglement of fortunes. The universe plays matchmaker in ways we do not understand. Yes, because we don't play matchmaker. We tear things apart to find champions. And let's continue that effort. Because I'm seeing here that Derek, while only 19, while having only scored 23 career goals, he's got potential. You know, he's in the U-20 Cup of Nations. They got runner-up in 2021. They're going to come back next year better than ever and I'm putting all my money on them. I'm putting my chips down. Derek Kakuza, I think that you're going to be my selection for this round. Uh... I think it's the ultimate tournament of everything. 
how are you leaning, Rob? Well, when I saw that we had another moth in the tournament, I was intrigued. And I was wondering how the moth would fare against a person. Because we saw how it fared against an Olympic event. But uh-huh. a person playing a sport that is also in the Olympics, it was interesting. And while I would love to see the two moths fight it out for moth supremacy to figure out which moth moths the mothiest, I think I have to agree with you. And I think I got I to gotta go with Derek Kakuza just to see what this young man will eventually do. So, Derek... You got my vote as well. You are moving on. To the next round. Yeah, you know that moth just wasn't quite as mothy as the first one. It was kind of a an off moth. Yeah. Like, a, like an yeah. eggshell moth. Eggshell moth. Yeah. Okay, we are in uh, round nine. Everyone knows what that means. About time. For those of you joining us the first time, round nine is the final round, and we will be pitting against each other in this final round, the 2007 World Series of Poker results against the National Institute of Indigenous Peoples in Mexico. Wow, uh, this is how, this is a, a headliner event, you know, the, the marquee event of, of any night, I can't imagine a more exciting, electrifying moment than this. So let's not waste a moment. Um, the 2007 World Series of Poker results. Skip right, you know. Skip, skip the tournament. Skip all of the the pomp and the circumstance. Let's get to brass tacks. The results. I think that's probably the best part of any tournament, don't you, Rob? Well, yeah, I mean, a tournament is great, but you really want to get to the end. And that's what makes this show so great. It will never end. You want to figure out who the ultimate winner is? Well, too bad. It would take at least 333,000 episodes. I counted. Anyway, uh, this tournament, 2007 World Series of Poker, they play Texas Hold'em, a game where each player may use a combination of five community cards and two whole cards to make the best hand. Hmm. Now, it looks like, for the results, the winner won some amount of money. Oh, great question. How much did they win? Event one um, was half a million dollars to the winner, $536,287. But there were other events. uh, Not sure if those are, like, smaller. Oh, nope, here's another one. 727. I mean, we're talking about some serious change here. Um, 868 to uh, Kurt Booten. He did a good job on some day. So, yeah, some real serious cheddar being laid down on the table. They probably wouldn't like that. Um, but they probably don't want you just laying down cheese all over the National Institute of Indigenous Peoples either. So let's check that spot out. Decentralized Agency of the Mexican Federal Public Administration. What's that mean to you, Rob? Well, it means it's an agency in Mexico of the federal government for public administration, obviously. Uh, Everyone knows, though, that this was established on December 4th, 2018, though the earliest Mexican government agency for indigenous matters was created in 1948. 
and is headquartered in Mexico City. Now, their mission um, is recognized as, quote, the authority of the federal executive in matters related to indigenous and... Wait, wait. Creating, defining, and executing and coordinating policies and programs to guarantee their rights as well as their integral and sustainable development and strengthening of their cultures and identities in accordance with Article 2. I, lofty goals, you know? Yeah, good goals. They operate uh, 21 radio stations. Hey, lots of radio. Oh, they, it's a very it's a very admirable thing that admirable thing that they're doing. I, I like a lot of their work there. Mm-hmm. Um, relocated more than twenty two thousand people displaced by construction of a dam in Oaxaca. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, probably a lot more people than this World Series of Poker helped. I mean, it probably all of this money. Oh, this point they probably could have built their own dam to prevent the damn dam being needed to be undammed. Now, if if you had to guess what the winning hand would have been in the 2007 World Series of Poker, the $10,000 World Championship No Limit Hold'em, that's really what everyone watches it for, that event right there, that's the final event, which hand do you think would have won? Uh, the right hand. The uh, left hand. No, the left hand. Nope. Nope, wrong both times. Actually, a pair of eights. He had an eight in each hand. Two of them, a pair. That's all it took. And that one, Jerry Yang, eight million two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow, good hand. In fact, I'd like to give him a hand. Oh, hang on, I have a button for that. That's for you, Jerry. Great job. Great whoops, whoops. job winning that competition. Those are for as far you, as Jerry. That's hey. You can't win them all, and I don't think Jerry's going to win this one because I think that the National Institute of Indigenous Peoples probably beats out the results from this poker tournament. As exciting as a pair of eights is, I think I'm going to lay my vote down for the National Institute of Indigenous Peoples in the ultimate tournament. What are you thinking, buddy? It's definitely not as flashy. It's definitely probably not watched on TV or probably doesn't have as much money, but I, you know what? Their work they're doing is important, it is valuable, and it's better than a pair of eights. So I agree. They're going to move on. Your pair of kings in our heart, pair of aces even, a pair of aces of hearts even. And you win this round of... The ultimate What a roller coaster this round has been. We've had moths fighting people. We've had books fighting basketball players. We've had Air Force bases fighting Air Force pilots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has been a journey. We've learned, I think, a few unequivocal things tonight. One, don't be a Nazi. Two, don't be a you know mid-tier basketball team that's not even that good. And three, if you're going to be a rock... Be an awesome rock. Well, Mike, it's been fun. What do we have for the people? For the people, we have nothing but love. And we'll be back next week with another episode of... 
Why, why you gotta do me like that? Why you gotta do that?